Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Stephen Hiller to my David Levinson. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing I'm doing good. I'm feeling uh, uh, feeling empowered. Yeah. And our very own president, Thomas J. Whitmore. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing today? Oh, man. As Kevin said, the last great American president. <laughs> so Walking around in a parka all day. It has been a while since we've done a podcast. Uh, the last one was on June 22nd. This is the longest distance between two episodes in, uh, in almost, I think, eight years. Pretty crazy. Uh, we're going to do double this week, so we need two episodes. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it was last week was insane. So it was 100 and uh, what? Um, and- There's 111. So, uh, so full disclosure. I went to um, the ocean. I, I like when we were like, we're yeah. going camping. We're leaving. So the ocean, they said the high temperature will be 86. And I was like, 86 is not that bad. So like, it'll be cool. Guess what the high temperature actually was in the when we went to the ocean? More so than 86. It was 98. <laughs> it, 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 like got, it just kept going up. And I was like, oh, it sucks so bad. But uh, it was still beautiful out there. So, yeah. so I apologize. It was actually a medical leave of absence. I melted last Monday. <laughs> Kevin, and I don't know if you guys they gathered Kevin, me up and put me in the freezer. Kevin's and a ginger, this so long to it's really, it's Kevin's really hard for, for it's really hard for one for your for your people. The weather was to... persecuting my people, and uh, it it took the a redheads. while to overcome. But clearly, we have the the redheads were 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 you? I mean, you can't even go outside when it's that hot, right? Like you just have to you have to. Just, I'm what's like, commonly kind of... referred to as a day walker. Uh, I am capable of going out in the sunshine. <laughs> Kevin is confirmed to be in unity with uh, with with the rest of my brethren. I choose to boycott sun activities. Okay, I'm a fat try- person, so it's just rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, rough. All right, so uh, Seahawks news in the intervening eleven days. It still was like the lightest of uh, of of news weeks. There we was gave them one- extra days, and they still couldn't give us anything. Yeah, the biggest story, of course, was the cutting of Tamari and Terry. Uh, and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go a direct quote from the Discord because I thought someone sa- someone in the Discord said it best it was jake red panda he says i mean i know fans we always get hyped up about prospects but you can't know who's going to show up out of shape who won't know the playbook or who murdered someone (laughs) (laughs) real real world problems so yeah i mean it's just just, you can't you can't predict it's you never really know what's gonna happen i mean i think that top villain made the video about tamori and terry you know and he always has those (laughs) he always has those fun clickbait headlines that are like secret secret weapon tamori and terry uh you know, something like that. And, uh, and I think I, that video really trended hard on Reddit and everyone got excited and thought, you know, hey, this guy might be like kind of a, a fun, a fun follow. And uh, I thought, you know, okay, this is the next jazz Ferguson, but it'll at least still be fun, you know, in the preseason, uh, murder is not fun. No, but I did see, a, I did see an article in the national news saying that his trigger finger was in the best shape of his life. Oh, boy. So, uh, I, uh, he's, he no, is a little thing. He is truly scary. Terry now, uh, that I think, He's I got a 25 thing, to life thing, according to Pete. That's, that's, <laughs> so, that's a little 25 to life thing. So I'll say this. Uh, reading the article, uh, it sounds like there was like a thing where 11 guys were involved and they don't know exactly who it was. And they're indicting everyone to try to get one of them to roll. He might actually end up being in the, on an NFL roster five weeks from now. But I'm glad the team took the stand that's like, hey, it's not worth the distraction to just... How about you figure out your murder stuff and maybe you can come back later? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, I think that that is a, that is a perfectly fine 
That's a reasonable stance. Yeah. As, a, as opposed to like with Josh Gordon, where they're like, hey, you know, let's, let's keep him around and see if it ever does work out, we can get him. And we'll get to Josh Gordon in one second. But uh, this one, this nightclub shooting, uh, 10 people are indicted. They want one of them to kind of rat the other people out. If it turns out not being Tamorian, maybe he's back on a team. I'm glad that they erred on the side of caution because this is like probably like one of the last guys that would make the roster if he did make the roster. So it's just not worth it. Not worth the trouble. Um, do you got, do you got, what was your favorite Tamori and Terry memory guys? Uh, I liked in 2018 <laughs> when he was like, or 29, 2018 when he was good in college before his last two years of college when he wasn't as good. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Josh, speaking of Josh Gordon though, Josh Gordon is going for reinstatement. It looks like he will be reinstated guys. One more time. Last ride, Eric, Josh Gordon, you want him back? One sure, last ride. Sure. One last ride. One last, uh, two game appearance. When we it. get the new when we get the new soundboard. I'm gonna I'll, I'll make one that says flash so I can hit it like right when uh, right, right when uh right when we talk about Josh Gordon. Kevin, you want one more ride, Josh Gordon? No. Oh, I'm out. Right. Oh, I'm out. We got done. Swain. I'm on the Swain train. We've got Eskridge, even though he's apparently battling a leg thing, which means I think his leg fell off. Um, but <laughs> he's, he's literally he's gonna he's gonna be uh what was the guy last year that I was all excited about uh Dorset? He's gonna be the new Philip Dorset. Just oh, to dude, hurt, don't hurt the don't put that evil on me, Nathan. Do not put that evil on me. Um, but I think those are two guys I would like to see get reps. And if Gordon comes in, he's going to take reps from them. So I, I honestly want to see what a what the Ute movement in our receiver core is and what it does. I want Josh Gordon to come back, but he's only allowed to play on third downs. Like it's like Ooh. he's like a, this, the third down secret weapon. Like we use him like a closer, you know, and he comes in and he's uh, he's it's just oh, yeah. Third down is here. It is time. Let's do this. It's 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 Josh Gordon time, you know. And that's that's kind of how I want to see him deployed. Not uh, first and second down. That's that's Eskridge time. That's Swain time, right? But uh, yeah, that's it. Then um, if you didn't see it, just a news roundup item. Uh, Sam Gold made a video about uh, Jordan Brooks and how he's developing and uh, how he's ready to be the heir apparent to KJ Wright. I highly recommend that video, especially if you are worried about what the defense is going to look like without KJ. I do agree KJ was very good last year, but it we drafted Jordan Brooks to be the succession plan at linebacker. I think we could say the Seahawks Nets podcast officially marks out for Sam Gold videos. Yeah, they're So we'll just let you know when one comes up, and yeah. we pretty much endorse all of them because even if we don't agree with it, he do puts out good information. Yeah, he's oh yeah, he's great. Like here's the thing, you want people that you can talk to and disagree with, you know, like like I respect all Seahawks opinions as long as they're actual opinions, you know. If, as long as I think you're not faking it just for the views, uh I I, I will uh, not say who I think that is. But uh but uh But I will say that I gave them some sugar for their pizza in their No, that that's not who I'm talking about actually. I think that I think that guy is I think that guy's earnest. That guy is just a I think it's a character. I think his Seahawks takes are earnest and his life yeah. takes are less earnest. Yeah, I, maybe the food takes are less earnest. He's trolling a little bit. But I those but those Seahawks takes are earnest. He, I think he, he runs kind of like Brett uh, where it's hot and cold, you know. So it's okay. So they're earnest, but they're like Ernest goes to camp, or maybe like Ernest goes to jail. Oh, Ernest joins uh, Al Qaeda. I just love, I just love some people on Twitter, on Seahawks Twitter. Though they're like, one day they're like, I don't know. I just think the Seahawks are going to win 15 games this year. And then like during the third quarter, of the first game of the season, they're like, I hate this team so much. It's like, <laughs> what? What happened? Like you, are, you, you already called right out now. Brett by name, and now you're going to call out Brett by name again. That's come on. Okay, a uh, couple couple uh, of uh, free agency rumors that are circling. Uh, Richard Sherman once again reiterated he's still open to a Seahawks reunion. That 
keeping that door, that rumor uh, keeping out that paycheck there. possibility wide so open. I think uh, five million dollars. I mean, if he wants to come back and, and play a uh, cornerback for us, yes. The end. <laughs> that's 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 the, the little Witherspoon insurance. No, I mean, I don't know. He he, uh, he was hanging out with DJ Reed on uh, the Fourth of July, so so you know. He, they both live around here. That's not really that notable. I, <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. I really want. I think that it would be a great signing to get Richard Sherman back uh, to to play on this defense. I think it would really like round out the unit. Just a veteran presence at cornerback. To it's a young it's a young positional group. Other than him, you know, it's it's it would be a good to have like the old head. Even if yeah, he's maybe not. The only thing that's bad is if he loses that starting competition. I don't know. He seems like the kind it could of guy get drama. Might, might not handle the drama really well. He he needs to understand before he comes in that his role might be like field coach, not not mm-hmm. like a, like a, like a like a player coach as opposed to just a, a player because he understands the techniques. He understands what what Seahawks cornerbacks need to do as good or better than anyone who's ever played the position. But he might not physically be up to the task in the same way that Brown and Reed and Witherspoon are, right? So that's, well, that's I think in a perfect world, as Seahawks fans, we're seeing Witherspoon and Reed and Blair take the top three corner spots and Brown look like he's ready to take over if Witherspoon signs somewhere else. Like, in a perfect world, Sherman wouldn't, like, Richard Sherman would not equate in the starting scenario. Yeah, he's still very good. I mean, yes, he's still that's very, the thing. Very he's just he, very good for like, like a, eight games a year. A two-year yeah, contract. Problems. I would say I'd love to get him for like two ten. Yeah, I think that would be perfect. Yeah, well, two ten. I, I would do that. Yeah, that uh, if, if even just one five, like he has to get more money than Witherspoon. That, that that's the thing is like for him to be on our team, we have to give him more money than Witherspoon. I don't think he would accept less. Just his ego wouldn't let him do that, and so that means he has to get more than four. Like I think this one got four two five or something like that. And so. he would have to know he has a crack at the starting job, which he knows Pete would let him have a crack at the starting job if Pete's, he's on the roster. Pete's gonna let him compete for the job, and he, he might come out and win. You know, he's still like I said when he's on the field, he's still pretty good. Yeah, when he's uh, healthy, yeah, exactly. All right, Dwayne Brown extension. That's the other big uh, roster rumor that's kind of circling around. He wants an extension bad. We want to give him an extension. Uh, I will just say this: this is a very unique uh, situation comparative to other free agent settings. It's not like Jamal Adams. It's not like Russell Wilson. It's not like even the Tyler Lockett extension that just got signed. This is a guy clearly nearing the end of his career. And so the parameters of this contract, you can't compare him to like Trent Williams, right? That that Trent Williams just broke the bank. I don't think Trent Williams is light years better than Dwayne Brown. Like those, that might be something his agent might look at, but, but he's light years younger. But he's five years younger. No, I mean, that's not five years. He's four, four years. But, like, he's younger than Dwayne Brown. And so, you know, you can't sign Dwayne Brown to a five-year deal. He's not going to play till he's 40. Well, let's five. be fair. I, like, I would have signed five-year younger Dwayne Brown to that contract easily. But he's yes. just – he's not five years younger but Dwayne Brown anymore. He's current-age Dwayne Brown. That's how time works. Um, yeah. I, let me look at the actual age. Hot so takes. Finding, yeah, hot takes. I don't, I don't know. I think the uh, – Around be 36 the, before the next season. The starts offensive lineman crop of talent is not what it used to be. Yeah, it's not. T- tackles got paid this offseason, right, Eric? Like, yeah, but just, they're. I mean, look at the tackles that got paid. It's are they worthy of what they got paid? Is Trent I'm, Williams I'm best, push best tackle ever oh. getting paid? No, but I mean that's the way the market works, right? Like if you're a free agent and you hit free agency at the right time, you just get like 
crazy money. Look at look at stupid Kirk Cousins. Like his dumb yeah, face got one of the best not. quarterback contracts in history just because he hit he hit free agency at the right time, you know? So, so I'm going to push back a little bit on the uh, talent at tackle. I think free agency hasn't adjusted yet to the fact that uh, college football is producing capable tackles again. Um, it's kind of one of those things where edge players got paid big time. And so if you were a big dude and you were athletic, you you played defensive end in college and high school because you could go out and get paid when you got to the NFL. And so... Dudes who might have bulked up and played offensive tackle instead were playing defensive end. Well, now offensive tackles are getting played like top or getting paid like top quality edge players. And so you're getting more of those people. You're also the move has gone away from a like old school uh, Lynch style air raid offense. That's less common in college football right now. Um, you still have a spread, but it makes it more of a NFL style blocking scheme. So you're getting players that are slightly more college ready and are from a better pool of athletes playing offensive tackle that are coming into the NFL again after what was probably about like a five year, pretty dry spell, five to six year dry spell. And so the market hasn't been able to rebound off of that, but you're looking at being able to draft more reliable uh, edge offensive linemen, tackle offensive linemen than you were before. So while the free agent classes are still maybe overpaying slightly, like Nathan said, that's how it works at every position. When you come in, if you're an above-average player, you're going to reset the market. But I do think there are more just good offensive linemen coming into the NFL. There's not that like dearth of quality players at the position like there was. The last two tackle drafts have been extremely strong, and it is making it's pushing uh, up the talent level. I think it's catching mm-hmm. back up. Which Eric was right. Eric was right. Like like three years ago, it, tackle was kind of it was and, sad, and it only because of these two couple drafts has that has it really been able to catch up. We've had two drafts in a row where it's been really good. All right, I think that's it for Seahawks news. Let's go ahead and this week we are going to be doing the AFC South. Um, so let's start with the four and twelve Texans last year. They added Terod Taylor, uh, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, Marcus Cannon, Desmond King, Terrence Mitchell. They lost Will Fuller the fifth, Gary and Conley, Kenny Stills, and Deshaun Handjob. Watson. Uh, they drafted Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan, and Davis Mills. Seahawks connection, their starting center this year will be Justin Britt. Eric. Mm, I love Justin Britt. Yeah, I know you do. He's a good dude. Uh, yeah. All right. Eric, what do you think right now of the Houston <laughs> Texans football team? Uh, you know, I'll let you guys go into the deep, deep Houston Texans roster that people can't wait for. Deshaun Watson. Currently in a little bit of legal trouble. <laughs> um, hey, hey, Cosby got out. Co- say. Cosby got out. Maybe, oh, maybe Deshaun geez. Watson can get out. Yeah, come on. That's is that is that like the one thing he texted his lawyer last Friday? Like, <laughs> hey, he was hey, like, hey, he hey. was like, hey, man, did you see? Are you seeing this? We, we might be okay. Or is his agent just texted him? Don't just <laughs> trust the process. Don't. Um, and uh, we'll go back to the first game of last year when I thought that Kevin was starting Duke Johnson and he was actually <laughs> in his fantasy football team and he was, uh, he was starting David Johnson. The fact here is, are they, he, are they collecting running backs like the infinity stones here? Like only, David only Johnson, Johnson's. Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, Rex Burkhead. Like how many, how many, running how many notable, Johnsons do you need? How yeah, many they, notable mid tier running backs do you need? They've got Mark a, Ingram, by the way, wearing number two, Eric. Oh, just stop. <laughs> Just stop your <laughs> number changes. It's 
driving us old folks crazy. No, I, I think that the Texans also have a little bit of trouble in the running game. And with that, I will save my my prediction for their record, but it's not going to be good. Their defense didn't get better. The team didn't get better. Justin Britt is starting on their team. This isn't give good. Me, give me a record, Eric. Give me a record. I want to hear it. I'm ready. <sighs> I'm giving them uh, – it's, it's tough because I was really trying to go between four and five wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just going to be the the five and uh, five and twelve. So here's the thing about this. Texas I'm, I'm being generous with five and twelve. If I if I really like look at it and think about it, if this roster had Deshaun Watson, I think what they did this off season isn't really that bad. Like considering how little draft capital they had to work with because of the Laramie Tunsil trade, and and how little like how much they were kind of screwed because of that. Like they've made some nice little moves in free agency. They've got a lot of really like kind of gritty veteran players that I like. The problem is one, I don't really see this team generating a whole bunch of pass rush. Lawson and Merciless are okay. And Grenard could be good, but it's, it's, uh, it's going to be uphill battle for them to create a bunch of pass rush. And the other thing is they don't have Deshaun Deshaun Watson right now. Not only is he in legal trouble, but he doesn't want to play for the Texans anyway. So even if he does get out of of trouble and gets back to where he's playing, he's going to be like, I still don't want to play for you. Like, get me out of here. And that's a problem. And, like, I love, like, bringing in Marcus Cannon and Justin Britt. Like, I think they solid up their offensive line a little bit. And they have a bunch of, like, a pack of, like, decent running backs that they can kind of shuffle through. But their quarterback is Terod Taylor. And their wide receivers are eh. so I gave them four and thirteen. I I, I had them wow. at one. I had them at one and sixteen. And then I really looked at the roster and I was like, this is not one and sixteen bad. This is this is just regular bad. <laughs> just just normal bad. Not like not like extra extra bad. Because like I said, if this roster had Deshaun Watson like a top tier quarterback, they would be a fringe playoff team. It's it's just that it's that big of a difference going from the fifth best quarterback in the league to Tyrod Taylor. That's just, it is what it is. So Kevin, would you start Tyrod Taylor or Jeff Driscoll? If you're the, if you're the Texans, um, I don't even think Jeff Driscoll's that bad. That's the thing. Like, I don't know if there's a huge difference. Yeah, that's, I, I agree. Depends on the offense you want to run. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess they did get good value out of the little draft picks that they had though. Brevin Jordan in the fifth round is like crazy value in my opinion. And I think Nico Collins in the third round is pretty solid too. And it, Anyway, uh, Davis Mills is going to be a mighty fine clipboard holder. <laughs> There's no way that guy's Woof. a starter. Uh, okay. I don't know why they drafted him with their first pick, but whatever. All right, Kevin, what do you think about the uh, Texans? Okay, so like you just hit on one of the things. So you make your comment about their offseason. I'm going to say I hated their offseason, and here's why. They had the kind of offseason you have if you're a team that was like a, like a fringe playoff team last yeah. year. Like maybe you like snuck into the wild card or you're close. If you had a similar season to what Miami had last year and you do an offseason like the Texans did this offseason where they like sure up the back end of their roster and make a couple of little moves. Get the like a bunch have, of good veterans, right? Like it, it does seem right. like some, it's the moves. Special short. teamers. They think Deshaun Watson's coming back. It's That's what the moves look like to me is that they're confident like we're going to get Deshaun back in the uniform and it's going to happen. Like, but is that, their roster better than it was last season? It's pretty. You got Marcus Cannon, yeah. but you lost Nick Martin. You uh, like Vernon Hargreaves is going to be one of your starting cornerbacks. That sucks. I, I think it go Roby and King. I don't think they have to start Hargreaves. 
actually, because uh, Desmond King and they got Desmond King. You and they got three start Ruby. three corners or starters in the NFL. Yeah, that, well, John Reed is going to start at nickel for them. But okay, I, I I don't know. I don't like. I just don't think it's 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 fine. De- they could start Desmond Reed, I guess at or Desmond King at nickel too. Nickel, so yeah, that's... he has flexibility. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't think their roster is really better than last season. Okay. And they went four and twelve, and then they lost their starting quarterback that dragged them that drugged them to four wins. So, uh, then you draft Davis Mills with your first draft pick when you don't have very much draft capital, and you take a guy who, if Davis Davis Mills isn't going to be good this season, he's not going to play for you this season, and if you if you bottom out, you're going to use your first round pick next season to draft a quarterback. So that that move is baffling to me. Uh, Nico Collins, you traded up to get a wide receiver. You had limited draft capital again. I guess if you really like Nico Collins, but I just I don't get what the team's trying to do. Um, Brevin Jordan is one of those guys where he's not slow enough to be a super fast guy, but he's not a good enough blocker to be a threat in that way. So he ends up being like, um, gosh, I don't know. Uh, he ends up being basically uh, Evan Ingram light. So however you feel about Evan Ingram light, like enjoy that life. So I'm, I'm just not about the moves they made. I have them at one in 16. I think they're a worse team than last year. And last wow. year's team was bad. Yeah. Last year they lost a ton. They had a ton of injuries on defense. Basically all their injuries were defensive injuries. They lost, it says uh, five games or nine games on the D line, uh, 14 games at linebacker and 19 starts at defensive back. Which is a lot. That's a lot of defensive injuries, and they. I think like turning over, kind of the back end of their defense is going to matter more than you do. I think. Okay. Uh, next up, we have the Colts. The Colts last year went eleven and five. They added Carson Wentz, Julian Davenport, Eric Fisher, and Antoine Woods. They lost Malik Hooker, Jacoby Brissett, Justin Houston, and Trey Burton. Drafting Quiddy Pie, uh, Deo Ode Bingo, and Kylan Granson. Seahawks connection. They're starting right guard is Mark the Legend, Mark Lewinsky. Kevin, tell us about the Colts. Uh, the Colts are a good team. Um, they have a really solid roster, and they ended up in a really weird, in one of those weird situations where they're too good to bottom out and be able to draft a really highly regarded quarterback. But they're like, like they're, so they can't get bad enough to do that, but then they can't get good enough to kind of overcome the fact that they keep having to go with these like, okay, quarterbacks. So they're really looking, trying to get like lightning a bottle from Carson Wentz. I do think the team that they built around him is good enough, though I do wish the wide receiver talent was a little better. I need to see something from Paris Hilton, or I need to see someone come up and steal Paris, Paris Hilton. Paris or Paris yeah, Campbell. Paris Whatever, they're both equally productive. It's what year is it? I haven't Hilton. thought about I haven't thought about Paris Hilton in so long. Uh, you know, having Paris <laughs> Campbell and T. Y. Hilton's uh, names right next to each other was really setting me up on on second inspection. Um, signing Eric really Fisher, Kevin. Signing Eric Fisher was a really good uh, like that kind of fell into their lap because they were screwed at left tackle after their starting left tackle retired. So I think their offense is going to be pretty good. But I just don't trust Carson Wentz as much as I trust Phil Rivers, even if it was like a, a call-it-out version Phil of Phil Rivers. Um, their defense, I think, will get a little bit better. Quiddy Pay um, and Dio Odingbo give them uh, a little bit of a shot in the arm at pass rusher, which they desperately needed, because the rest of their defense is pretty solid, um, especially with a Xavier Rhodes resurgence. Yeah, Xavier Rhodes was really good last year. That's what I, one of my notes I wrote down. Yeah, and so I think with all that, they didn't lose very much. They added a little bit. I think there's probably a downgrade in quarterback. I have them going ten and seven and just slipping into the playoffs. 
for me, this was one of the hardest teams just in general to like kind of to kind of pin down a number because like I don't really like Carson Wentz. I've been a pretty vocal Carson Wentz hater my whole life, but this is the coach that he's had the most success with, right? He well, if re- he goes down, they got Purple Cutler behind him. He is so. reuniting. Hmm. No way, dude. Sam Ellinger, he's got to do it for his brother. So the the um, the thing about the Colts is that I just don't trust Wentz, and I do not think DeForest Buckner is really good, but then these other front four guys are largely unproven or not my favorite. So like I would I would like if one of those guys makes the leap, you're right. This defense will be awesome, but I like. They keep throwing second round picks at guys, and none of them are really great. Like yeah, they Benogu, need a pass rusher, Taekwon Lewis, Kamoko Ture, Deo Mubingo. Like none of these guys, they have not been able to successfully identify like a good pass rusher in the draft. And I don't know if that's going to be. This is going to be the year where it starts. So for me, um, I'd like to see you know if one of those guys can really step up and be awesome, they will be pretty solid. And then yeah, the. Back, the back of their defense is awesome because Darius Leonard, Xavier Rhodes, uh, Julian Blackman, like they have a really good back end of this defense. I don't know. It was a hard team to pin down because I could see anything from 13 to seven wins. Like there's a huge range of outcomes here depending on one person, and that's Carson Wentz. And so uh, I went ahead and made them 10 and seven as well. Uh, and I have them in a big tie for that last playoff spot. Competing I agree. A high variance 10 and seven. Yeah. So, uh, Eric, what do you think about the Indianapolis Colts? Uh, man, I feel like I've disliked Carson Wentz most of all out of everyone. <laughs> I, I don't believe in Carson Wentz at all. I, I agree with Kevin that they have a good team. They built a good team around Carson Wentz. I just don't see it. I don't think like the pseudo-dome is going to help them. I think that part of this division is, I don't know, some rollovers or near rollovers. Uh, and then some, some real solid talent. I have this team at 9 and 8. Four games against the Jaguars and Texans is definitely something that could help them. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, as opposed, like it could be the difference between them being like a fringe playoff team and actually getting in the playoffs. Speaking of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars last year went one in fifteen. They added Shaquille Griffin, Marvin Jones, Tyson Alualu, and Roy Robertson Harris. They lost Keelan Cole, Mike Glennon, Chris Conley, DJ Hayden. Of course, drafting Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. And Walker Little Seahawks connection. They brought in backup running back Carlos Hyde to be to be a part of their running back room, which is very crowded, by the way. Uh, so Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, I'm first this one, and uh, I'm just gonna say I like this team more than most. I think I think that it's okay. So watch, watching their quarterback play last year uh, and comparing it to what they think what I think they're going to get out of. Uh, oh my gosh, out of Trevor Lawrence, is going to make a big difference. They're not – and then switching to Urban Meyer, someone who's going to come in and bring in some, like, fresh concepts where even even if, like, you hate Urban Meyer as much as I do, which is a lot, you have to respect the way he, like, uses spread run concepts and stuff. I mean, they lost 15 consecutive games last year. They were not – they were really bad outside of the beginning. <laughs> of, of that's, the, that's unbelievable. They, they won the first game and then never won again. And there's talent on this team. Like, this – Trevor Lawrence gets to throw to to Mabisca Chenault, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones. Like these are good uh, wide receivers, and then the offensive line is is medium, but they have a couple guys who are pretty good. And the defense has guys with a lot of potential, like Josh Allen, and they have Miles Jack and Joe Schobert at linebacker, which is a nice center of your defense that you can really be confident in that they're gonna you know be where they're supposed to be and make plays. And C.J. Henderson and Shaquille Griffin, that is a like a 
a really nice cornerback pairing where they are, they're going to be able to lock guys down on the outside and give guys like Josh Allen time to get home and Caleb on chase on that. Maybe last year we're having trouble getting that because one side of the field was completely open all the time across from CJ Henderson. So that being said, I, 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 this to me is like a seven and nine team under the old one, seven and nine ish. So I went with a good old seven and 10. I gave, I gave them an extra loss. And uh, yeah, that's how I feel about the, the Jags. I think they're not the, the improvement to, to uh, Trevor is going to be huge for this team. All right, Eric, what do you think? Uh, man, seven wins, I think, is a lot. They're going from tank for Trevor to tank with Trevor. I'm not. <laughs> I circled that joke like two weeks ago, and I've just been holding on to it. Uh, I don't understand, and maybe you guys will help me with this if we if we really cared to talk about the Jaguars, why they would draft Trev- uh, Travis Etienne when they had um, was James, James Robinson, Robinson last Carlos year. Carlos Hyde already. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, do, do you want to know, you know what the word is on that? Yeah, but. They, Okay, so the rumor is that they really wanted Kadarius Tony, and he went just before they picked, mm-hmm. and they view Travis Etienne as kind of that gadget do-it-all player, um, all uh, uh, Curtis Samuel. They have and that so, guy already. His I'm, name is LaVisca Chenault. Like, that's I, what I'm, not, crazy. I'm not telling you that this was a good idea. <laughs> I'm just telling you what people are saying about how this happened. So... It was basically a reactive move to going, well, we want to get a, this type of guy on our roster, which makes sense based on the way that their head coach coaches. But it definitely ignores the fact that, A, they already had that guy on their roster, and B, like that just wasn't a really good use of resources. Yeah. No, yeah, that, that TN pick sucks, but they had so much draft capital that I don't think it, like, they, they put a lot into this draft, and I think they were, they're fine still. It's not like, it's not like they ran out of draft capital and weren't able to kind of, address all their issues like it's a it's a really solid roster i think except for maybe they need a really good open one really good offensive lineman well and that's this is this is a lot like the colts they have a good team around a questionable quarterback i'm not into their coach at all i think outside of pete carroll any college coach that comes in has limited success to zero success in a short amount of time so i think with some gelling and maybe if urban meyer is a decent nfl coach this team can be maybe a playoff contender next year. This year, I have them at six and what is it, eleven? Six and eleven. Why do I have uh, six and ten Eric, here? Eric, you have you have a um, you have a. There's another Seahawks connection that I was hoping you would mention. But do you know who their offensive coordinator is? Oh no, is it Daryl Bevel? It is Daryl Bevel. But do you oh. know who their quarterbacks coach is? Is it is it a hip hip hooray Jim Zorn? No, I know it's, it's not. Nope. Sky, Skybox Shoddy. Yep. Oh really? I actually, yes. I actually I think this offensive coaching staff is. I, don't I, I know. At all. I know we've dragged Daryl Bevel to the ground, but I actually don't think his his time in Detroit and the what happened after he left here made me think that he's not that bad. <laughs> like I maybe maybe I was too hard on him. He's fine, but <laughs> honestly, retrospect. it wasn't. I think, it wasn't a good I think they're both like C average offensive coordinators. That's the thing. I mean, C average in the NFL is like pretty good because. There's a lot of F minuses out there, you know. So <laughs> it's I think that they both do a good job, and and I do think Daryl Bevel with Trevor and he Daryl Bevel did a good job with Russell Wilson as a young quarterback, and Shoddy did a good job with Russell Wilson continuing his development. Having those two guys around Trevor Lawrence to develop him is pretty 
sharp, I think, by Urban Meyer. And Urban Meyer's an offensive coach. He's he's going to put his system in, and he's going to be in charge of that offense. It ain't yep. going to be the Daryl Bevel offense. Daryl Bevel is going to be play calling the Urban Meyer offense. It's, Which it's, I think is a much better thing for him to be doing. Yeah, it's going to be good. I think it'll work. I think that just Jacksonville's on the right track. They just they're going to need a year. They need one more really good draft. But I don't think they'll be horrible. That's that's my main thing. So, all right, Kevin, okay. tell, tell me why they're horrible. Uh, so I think that Trevor Lawrence, of course, makes a pretty big difference on the team. Uh, their offensive line is confusing because they tagged Cam Robinson, but don't let that make you think that he's actually a franchise offensive tackle because he's not. They just so, didn't have another option, right? Like it's like it's like uh, they also didn't want to sign a guy. We have a ton of cap room. Eh, let's just let's just bring this guy back. He's okay. <laughs> so there's this interesting thing where Norwell, Linder, and Can in the middle is actually pretty good. Like they're like their guard center guard combo is above average. But then Cam Robinson is below average. Though it's weird because he's one of those guys like an Eric Fisher or somebody like that where they started off kind of bad and so they got a reputation for being worse than their draft grade, but they have gotten better every single season and that seems to be what Cam Robinson is doing. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him come out and be like a, a bang average left tackle. And if that ends up being what happened, then the only problem they have is that Juwan Taylor is a bust at right tackle. And so that's really interesting. This could be a legitimately like decent offensive line. If Walker Little can actually come in and play, mm-hmm. they have a chance at having like an average offensive line, which would be really big because like you already said, their skill position talent is really good. Their tight ends are kind of butt, but if you look at... Uh, How dare you talk about Tim Tebow that way? <laughs> but, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't well, I didn't want to use the tushy word around Tim Tebow. You're right. Um, <laughs> I might have offended him and his delicate sensitivities. Uh, but in all seriousness, they're, they, they're lacking pass catchers at tight end, but if you look at the way that Urban Meyer's offense works, that's that's not what he does. So they're going to like, they're going to have four wide receivers out there. They're going to spread it out and they're going to get the ball kind of thrown all around the yard. And so that should work pretty well. Their offense should be decent and their defense is young. Um, I think signings like Shaq Griffin are really good. And like Joe Schobert, because those are stabling influences, their offensive line or sorry, their defensive line, like you said, is um, a little bit of an odd question mark. Because Caleb on Chason, we still haven't proven that his body can handle like an NFL season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's guys that have a lot of potential, but have never really shown out on that in the actual games. You know, like they they've never been they've we never seen them do it, but they can definitely can. Like Josh, yeah, Allen, Josh Allen, uh, Devon uh, Hamilton, and Taven Bryan all take a step forward and become like B plus defensive linemen. Does that shock you? No, and the team would be really good if they did right. Yeah, so I think for that reason, um, I'm looking at 6-11. and 11. I think they're a, a solid team. They're taking a pretty good step forward. Um, basically, I thought to myself, what would the Bengals have been last year if their defense wasn't completely garbage? Yeah, the Bengals, Bengals went like basically 4-12. 4-11-1, yeah. And so 6-11, and 11, they'll pick up a couple extra wins. I think that's a pretty good bit of progress for this team. Yeah, and I, I really think that this is one of those teams that like, you're going to watch them and you're, they're going to be frisky every week. You know what I mean? It's like they're always going to be dangerous, but they're going to fall just short because of inexperience. It's a young roster overall, one of the younger rosters in the entire NFL. And an inexperienced so, head coach when it comes to the NFL style. Yeah. And he, yeah, Urban Meyer's going to have to figure out how his like spread run and, and spread concepts really work at the next level because it's not going to, those half field spread concepts aren't, he's not going to be able to just straight up do that in the NFL. It's not going to work. Yeah. Cornerbacks uh, can cover that stuff. Linebackers are too athletic. Yeah. 
everyone's too athletic to, for you to just use half the field. You got to use the whole field. So, uh, all right, well, that's, uh, that's them. And now we're finally to the last team in the AFC South. The Tennessee Titans went 11 and five last year. They added Julio Jones, Josh Reynolds, Bud Dupree, Janoris Jenkins, Desmond King, the second Corey Davis, Jadavian Clowney. Oh, these are the losses. Desmond King, Corey Davis, Jadavian mm-hmm. Clowney, Johnny Smith. They drafted Caleb Farley, Dylan Raddins, and Elijah Molden. Seahawks connection. Okay, there's just I can only find one. Uh, the Seahawks connection. They have a linebacker on their team named Justin March, who the Seahawks claimed off of waivers in Week Four of 2017. He was cut in Week Five of 2017. So uh, there you go. <laughs> that's some, there's some Seahawks history for you. Um, that guy's still in the NFL though. So I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty good hanging around if you like kind of bouncing around it since 2017. Like that. Good on him for for really like sticking with it, following his dream or whatever. Because that's tough. It's tough when you're like on the roster bubble all the time like that mentally. Eric, you're up first, man. Tennessee Titans, what do you think? Tennessee Titans. Uh, This team is poised to win the division and poised to make a run in the AFC. I really like their additions of almost Seahawk legend Julio Jones. Uh, I like Bud Dupree coming in, losing uh, ex-Seahawk legend Davian Clowney. (laughs) Um, what was it? Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys and trading, trading those two receivers for Julio Jones, trading Clowney and Josh and Josh Reynolds too. And Josh Reynolds. Yeah. Josh Reynolds Uh, is a good slot receiver. I really like this Tennessee team. I think this team is definitely going to win the division and uh, as decent as the Colts look in parts, Tennessee is my mic falls over. looks pretty, pretty complete. The, uh, Ryan Tannehill era looks to be an actual era and not like, you know, a bunch of question marks like it was in Miami. I like the Tennessee Titans to come in at, uh, I'm sorry, not 11. I, I have all my, all my records were written down and then a couple of them I put and put question mark. So <laughs> I have 12 and five for the Tennessee Titans. All right, Kevin, what do you think about the Titans? Uh, so I was pretty down on the Titans right up until the moment they traded for Julio Jones. So my issue was they lost Corey Davis they lost Johnny Smith. It was going to be like, what's your wide receiver core? Uh, AJ Brown and dudes. And by bringing in Julio Jones, it allows Anthony Ferkser to be kind of that, and, and Jeff Swain, to be guys that can just kind of pick up those like uh, short route, high uh, completion percentage, little chunk yardage pieces that Ryan Tannehill is good at throwing. Um, Julio takes some of the focus off AJ Brown. It bumps Josh Reynolds to their number three wide receiver, which Josh Reynolds is your three wide receiver. As we know is not bad. Like that's definitely something an NFL team can have and be fully functional. Uh, I still worry a little bit about their offensive line. Taylor Lewan got hurt last year, came back, uh, never quite looked the same. Um, they need Dylan Ray Duns or Kendall lamb to take a step forward and be able to solidify that right tackle spot. Um, if their offensive line isn't really up and going, that could be a bit of a problem because Derrick Henry leans on his offensive line a lot because he doesn't move his legs once he makes contact with people. Uh, but he was really good at breaking arm tackles. So if the run blocking is good, then he can break off chunk yardage. Uh, they, their pass run, rushers. Oh, never okay. really runs people over like Marshawn did. You know, nope. it's like, it's more of like a one. The one thing about him is that he's really hard to arm tackle. And once he, and he's really fast. <laughs> Like yeah, straight line guy, speed is great for a guy that that big. Like yeah, the speed at which he moves is incredible, and that that's the thing is like once he gets into open space, he's basically gone because you can't 
you can't really get like a body tackle on some guy in open space like that unless you have a really good angle. And exactly. And, and it's like, and then now he's like, a, he's moving and, you're not and he's arm so tackle fast. Him. And you're not going to catch him because he's just too fast. Yeah. So yeah. If I, you yeah. can catch up to him, you probably can't tackle him. Yeah. So, uh, but then the, you look at their defense, right? They got rid of basically all of their corners. They need Caleb Farley to be healthy. Elijah Molden to be ready to jump in right away at a nickel corner spot. Um, Janoris Jenkins to have a little bit left in the gas tank or Christian Fulton to show something he didn't show in his rookie year, which I think is entirely possible, but you're counting on at least like three of those four things happening, which is a rough spot to be in for defensive back for pass rusher. You're looking for what Harold Landry to recapture what he had two years ago. And for Bud Dupree to be a better pure pass rusher than he's ever been in his entire career, instead of just a mop up guy, like he was in Pittsburgh. And Bud Dupree is if he's the focal point of your pass rush, you're it's a problem. That's you're, rough. You you need a guy across from him that's taking up a lot of attention because he's not yeah. beating he's not gonna beat a double team ever. Exactly. <laughs> and like I like Jeffrey Simmons and they have a couple of like really good like role player type guys, but when you don't have really a good pass rush and there's a lot of questions at your coverage spots, then it it's going to end up hamstringing you. So I think they were 11-5 and five last year. I don't think their roster is particularly worse or better because last year their corners got injured anyway. So I have them at 11-6, and six, and I wouldn't be surprised if they got a first-round bounce. So this, I, I'm right there with you. The thing about this team for me is that unlike the other teams in this division, uh, the Colts with Carson Wentz, the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence, and the Texans with Davis Mills... <laughs> <laughs> they, they, uh, this team has an established quarterback who I think is very good and has mm-hmm. no question marks heading into this season. They have something that these other teams don't, which is that Ryan Tannehill, since he put on this Titans uniform, has been extremely good. One of the very f- best quarterbacks in the league, and I don't see anything changing that. Losing Arthur Smith is a thing, and it's yep. something that I think people need to like really take into account when they're thinking about the Titans. Like, Do not bet Titans win oh, wins win total over. No, I, I, even though it's like ten and a half, and it's tempting because like yeah, this division sucks. And I just don't don't bet that because it, this team could easily stumble with the new OC or something like that. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at a team that's nine and nine and eight, and you're disappointed. But this roster is not that good. It's it's just not the reason that I think all of us put this team first in this division is Ryan Tannehill. It's 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 really that they have a, a rock solid quarterback. And they have a plan, right? They know what they are on offense. They're going to have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones try to get them into single coverage by running the ball with Derrick Henry and establishing uh, that run. And then once uh, once you're over-respecting A.J. Brown and Julio and, and Josh Reynolds, boom, we're giving it to Derrick for a 60-yard burst, right? This team has a lot of burst plays. They, they have a ton of big plays. And that's good and bad. If it dries up and they don't get a bunch of toxic, good toxic differential plays this year, this team could be really medium. It's it's not a roster that really like inspires me to confidence the way the Browns roster does. Even though I'm, I'm picking the Titans for more wins than the Browns, like the Browns roster, just looking at it, if they if you just traded Baker Mayfield for Ryan Tannehill, I think I'd pick the Browns to win like almost every game. Like I'm just so Ryan Tannehill's underrated, and I think people need to know. So okay, I have him at eleven and six. I I I was struggling with them. You know, it's a t- it's a tough tough team I think to read, but they play the NFC West too, which is. This whole division plays the NFC West, which is garbage because the NFC West is a bloodbath. We'll get to it later, yep. but like this division playing the NFC West is bad for the AFC South. 
It depresses all the records by at least like two wins. Yeah, if they were playing the the East instead, I probably would have had them uh, all like a win higher, a win higher, mm-hmm. or maybe even two wins higher for like Jacksonville. So okay, uh, that's it. That's up for the AFC South. I think this is a really interesting division because you got the Jaguars on the rise, the Colts, like how good can Wentz be, the Titans in the post-Arthur Smith era, and then does Deshaun Watson come back, right? Like the Texans even have an interesting question that they're asking uh, themselves. So there you go. That's it. Let's go ahead and get to the money zone. There are many ways to support the CXS podcast by giving us a review on iTunes, but the best way to do so, head over to only12s.com. Click anywhere on your screen. For as little as a dollar twenty-four a month, get access, especially in season. In season, we got our weekly fantasy tips and tricks. Uh, we'll also be doing some uh, off-season fantasy con- content. Now, I would say this: you know, we have sixty-nine active patrons right now, nice. and I and I mean that's really cool. Uh, I'm into that, but uh, I would rather have a hundred. So, so uh, if I want, if we hit three triple digits, I'll do something weird. You guys can pick on the Discord. I'll let you guys pick something for me to do, like eat, you know, eat a spoonful of really spicy hot sauce or. Something like that. Uh, Make him grow out his hair and then get a perm. I'll be like that other guy. Eat a whole stick of butter. Although I wouldn't. How about this? How about this? Nathan and I will make a breakdown video for the Seahawk of your choice. But also, I will do something crazy during. And we will, uh, we will have like a really spicy hot wing afterwards. I will. I'll because I have I have the last dab. I can get. I have access to that. Okay. okay. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, Oh, oh, that's what we do. We do. um, We eat the last dab and then have to do the player analysis afterwards. (laughs) Live, yeah. We can't plan ahead. That'd be Uh, that'd be even worse. Oh man, I'll be sweating. (laughs) Okay, so uh, yes, for as little as twenty four a month, get in the the best feature of the uh, of the Patreon though. Get in the Discord. Discord. We're hanging out. We're we're talking all the time. Saw uh, Jake Red Panda make an appearance on the podcast this week from the Discord. So you know we got we got all kinds of fun stuff going on there. Uh, Get in there, chop it up. Oh, and sign up for fantasy football. Uh, the pinned post is in the fantasy football channel. Make sure you get in the Seahawks Nest Fantasy Football League. Right now, we are at—I don't know—I think we're at like eleven Seven. signups. And I would like—I would like to get us to—we uh, are at twenty signups. Whoa, seven people signed up. Why well, wasn't looking? Okay, so we are at twenty signups. I want to get us to three full leagues. So that means we need sixteen more people. Okay, so we're at twenty signups. We need sixteen more people. You also well, get the people pick- too. So we only need well, thirteen more people. I, no, I counted. I counted us. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you get to, you get to you get to pick who you want to play against. You know, do you want to play against Eric? Do you want to play against Kevin? Do you want to play against Nathan? Or you could be like Lazy, who said, "I want to play against fellow Discord member Imam," <laughs> which I thought was like oh, the so best. Good. I, love I was that. like, "Oh, he's calling out other people in the Discord. This is incredible. I love it." So I, I'm excited <laughs> about that rivalry. I don't know what league I'm going to put him in. You know, it's going to be whatever one kind of ends with less, but. Uh, also, each person gets to set their own league rules. Me, Kevin, and Eric. So, you know, in Eric's league, it's probably going to be like two kickers or something crazy. How cause... dare you? I'm not where my <laughs> Scott get out of here. No, uh, it's a, it's two flexes, but one of the flexes can be a kicker. How cool would that be? Honestly, that's probably, <laughs> I want I want true flex. True, true flex. flex. You can play a defense. Want, so, yeah, that probably is what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, movie club this week. Uh, yesterday was the day for our freedom. Independence Day. So we're going to do the movie Independence Day by Roland Emmerich. Now, Eric, before the podcast started, you asked me, you said, does Roland Emmerich have any movies coming? And I said, yeah. And he said, is it a disaster movie? So I'm going to read you the the, the, the plot description <laughs> premise for the new Roland I, Emmerich movie. I have before not looked we do, at this. I don't know what this is. I cannot wait. And Moonfall, I just started laughing when he said that. <laughs> Moonfall is an upcoming science fiction action film written and directed by Roland Emmerich. It stars Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, Charlie Plummer, Michael Pena, and Donald Sutherland. 
It is scheduled to be released February 4th, 2022. In Moonfall, a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurtling on a collision course with for life as we know it. With mere weeks before impact and the world on the brink of annihilation, NASA executive and former astronaut Joe Fowler, played by Halle Berry, is convinced she has the key to saving us all. <laughs> but only one astronaut from her past, Brian Harper, played by Patrick Wilson, and a conspiracy theorist, Casey Houseman, believe her. These unlikely heroes will mount an impossible last-ditch mission into space. Oh, by the way, the conspiracy theorist is uh, Sam from from Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> uh, masters are leaving behind everyone they love, only to find out our moon is not what we think it is. What? Oh, shoot, it's made of cheese. Oh, if the moon were made of ribs, would you eat it? <laughs> yeah, I would, and I wash it down with a cool oh Budweiser. All right, so I thought I thought the best way to approach this movie would be to go through some of, some of the moments first, and then just talk about some of the production notes and stuff that we like to do. So let's start off with with the beginning. I I just think like from the start of this movie. So the way that Roland Emmerich got started writing this movie was he said that when he was promoting Stargate, he wanted someone asked him a question about first contact. And he was like, you know what? First contact movies are always so boring. You know, like the aliens communicate with us all obtusely or they land on Earth in a cow pasture and like sneak into people's brains through through fungus spores. Like it's never like cool. What if aliens came in and it was showy? You know what I mean? That's kind of the the premise. And I think like the way they introduce the aliens in this movie is is so cool uh, because they there's these these I don't know, like how big are these ships? <laughs> which they're like as big as a small about? city yeah, yeah the, it depends the, on what ship the big ones about. i'm talking about the big ones you know and they, they're like 15 yeah, not, miles not wide. the ones where you got to get you one of these but the other ones but then there's an even and they, bigger ship and then they they the thing about these ships that they put over the cities is they're 15 miles wide they're flying through the sky and they're covered in like fiery clouds so you can't really see what what they are well, that's the fiery clouds that was the, it's coming through the atmosphere which i thought was really cool so cool yeah and so oh. Go ahead. I'm, I don't want to jump ahead. No, 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 no. Then Jeff Goldblum figures out that there's a, a signal oh, yeah, coming uh, from the satellite. A, uh, uh, a signal, uh, and it's uh, coming from uh, from from space. Sorry. Yeah, and the and so they <laughs> they try to warn everyone. You know, okay, they, these ships are going to blow everyone up all at the same time, and they try to warn everyone, but it's it's just too late, dude. It's too late. So we and get then to the Jeff next. Jeff Goldblum's dad shows up. We get to the next cool scene, which is July third, right? When the aliens attack and they blow. What? What's just? What's your favorite uh, alien attack? Uh, like big alien attack moment and that kind of thing. Is it the White House blowing up? I think that's the iconic one, right? That's not mine. Mine is where all the, all the idiots are on the roof. Like, yay! Welcome to Earth. Save us. Be our friends. And then it opens up, and they're like, "Oh, what? They, they're gonna beam us up!" And they just blow it all to hell. That made me laugh, <laughs> and yeah. it still does. So, okay. That, I mean, that's pretty sweet, right? So I love it. I love it. Um, now, after this, we go and so that ships are shielded by force fields and they got all these swarm fighters and they, they're decimated. We, don't, like, we have no way to fight them, right? But uh, Will Smith gets in a dog fight with one of the like small flying saucers in the Grand Canyon, right? And uh, he captures one of the aliens. That is like has one of the best lines in movie history, I think, right there. Don't you, would, you, would you agree? Yeah, welcome to Earth, bitch. Like where he punches the alien in the face. You call him a bitch? It's, it's I'm pretty sure. I don't know if he's allowed to say the B word. Kevin, uh, can he, you confirm? Said, uh, I can neither confirm nor deny these rumors. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and uh, I'm going to 
play the scene right now. I'm watching the scene right now. Man, that, first of all, these aliens have like tentacles and stuff. They're crazy. No, you got to remember, that's the exosuit. That's what I thought was so cool and where I was going to jump ahead. The alien design, they kind of took the little Roswell right. men. He doesn't swear at him. He can't swear. He's not unfortunate. He's not Eminem. <laughs> so, so explain the exosuit thing, Eric. Go ahead. That's no longer uh, that's no longer Nathan's uh, great line anymore. That's just an average line. That's no, it's still great. It's still great. <laughs> no, but you, they have these like little, you know, the little green men. They're not quite green, but you know, the the little aliens that crash landed at Roswell. Well, they've got these exoskeletons, these exosuits. They're like bio suits. Where like they're these giant tentacled, which makes sense. Bipedal, awesome, uh, you know, cool looking aliens. I thought that was really smart, and if anything, at the time, it was just something new, something you you weren't expected to see, and that's what I felt gave this this movie the summer firepower it needed. Not just blowing up the White House, but you know, not just being an alien movie, but actually having some pretty cool moments. Also, how they yeah. communicate. You yeah, know? the telepathic communication. Also, the why they're here, which was you know kind of scary. They were they were like locusts. They just drained every planet, moved to the next one. They weren't fooling around. They weren't like, oh, these guys. You know, there's some good ones and some bad ones, and we don't know what they want. No, it was it was revealed right away, and that was really cool. Uh, okay, then my I think the ne- my next favorite scene is is when they when they fly up to the the spaceship to drop off uh, some 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 payload and and when they're the, just the banter between uh goldblum and will smith and i was like i ain't heard no fat lady <laughs> he's like Forget every the fat lady uh, every scene is, with goldblum is, really, and smith uh, is the best scene an, in the movie it's kind of enjoyable right like it's just an enjoyable ban a banter between the, the two main characters there i think I, so i mean that's those are two characters we like i mean people tend to like will smith uh jeff goldblum is he's in a lot of things he's <laughs> he's quirky but fun to listen to yeah it's it's absurd and this movie's absurd and amusing and then of course i saved the best scene for last right which is the speech so eric why don't you this is like the best pep talk of all time why don't you tell us about the speech <laughs> I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna ask me to give the speech so i was like all right let me, <laughs> let we can't be consumed we can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore which I, is, that's all that's the only line i remember i i feel like you know it was broadcast but he was still giving it to like 50 people so i only imagine 50 like the 50 people live and then it went out everywhere but i just imagined it was for 50 people that's all the <laughs> that's all the effect it had on me no see it's by uh president bill pullman who his greatest role before this was kevin uh game over man no he wasn't in aliens he was in I'm- Spaceballs. That's what I. That's where I was going. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, I sorry. I like making the joke that Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton are the same person. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kevin's been Kevin's been doing this for twenty years. I, I don't <laughs> know why, but because it's funny to me. No, that's uh, not knowing Kevin did that. That is such a Kevin thing to do. What about Sleepless in Seattle? <laughs> you know, I've never seen that movie. Oh, all right. Being in Seattle, I was just like, nah, I, I already have a problem sleeping. I don't need to watch it. No. Okay, so Bill Pullman, uh, President Bill Pullman gives this speech, and he's young and kind of handsome, and his wife died uh, due to oh, you know, the that, first lady being in a traffic accident. That wi- that wife dying thing is uh, when he has to talk to his uh, his daughter about, it's Mae Whitman, young <laughs> baby Mae Whitman, about uh, what happened and uh mommy sleeping that's a that's a tough that's a tough one because i rewatched this movie and recently and yeah that's now rough I have, now i have kids not not as not as a 
don't just breeze by that one like I used to. Oh wow, I'm I, I'm just breezing by it. <laughs> uh, but, but one of the important things about the speech is the people in the crowd, and you've kind of you've kind of glossed over one of probably the worst part of this movie, maybe, and that is the uh, the Randy Quaid plotline. <laughs> so oh, yeah. crazy! I feel like it's the most Roland and Emmerich part of the movie. You you punched the president. Well, he wasn't the president yet. <laughs> well, yes. Um, he played a, a guy who claimed to be abducted by aliens who, you he's know, so they, crazy. They, he's they playing himself. Bro, let's be honest. Yes, yes he is. <laughs> this is an autobiographical role. Uh, I'll say this. The fight scenes where, you know, they, they find out that there's these deflector shields or not. It's like a force field that can't get past uh, first contact with the aliens with the, with the lights on the chopper. All this was kind of intense. Uh, I wasn't a kid, but it was just like, wow, this is like an alien movie we've never seen. And maybe we haven't seen since. Uh, I do have an issue, or maybe I don't. Maybe it's just the coolest thing ever. That uh, the payload to deliver to destroy the mothership is delivered by Randy Quaid uh, in like a biplane, right? In a crop duster. <laughs> no, it's with it. It's in an F sixteen, which he just figures out because he's because he's oh, that's all. right. But because all planes work the same, exactly, and he goes. I once okay. navigated with a doesn't rowboat, he, so I'm pretty sure I could handle a cruise ship. It's, it's symbolism, as, guys. It's symbolism. As he's, uh, as he's sobered up and, and, and driving into his death, doesn't he yell, like, hello, boys, I'm back or something? Yes. And yes. He also, he <laughs> talked about how the aliens, you know, probed his butt. And then he he flies the plane up beneath the aircraft. It's very symbolic and very stupid. And I just have to always point that out because it's like he's giving it back to the aliens. And don't tell me that wasn't intentional. Uh, my IB English teacher said that all great writing, any of the symbolism is unintentional. <laughs> so I kind of want to be like, whoever wrote that, you're a genius. <laughs> wink, sure. wink, wink. So, yeah, I think they did it. Like this movie, what I like about it is that it's just pure spectacle. And it it's not trying to like trick you or or do anything extra it's just a spectacle film that asks like one super simple question which is uh what if aliens came to earth and they were just trying to kill us <laughs> and take the earth you know like it's just a simple movie there's no like um, well it's a concept that hadn't been done for a long time because it's basically like you know war of the worlds or more of the world um, is a good comparison although even these aliens are even more guileless than those aliens right these well, aliens right. It's it's got a it's or uh, uh, the day the earth stood still. It's like that, but with a '90s action movie over the top sensibility. Where if that's something that you want, it executes it as well as you really can. Yeah, it's it's just a it's a really solid movie. I don't know. I don't know any other way to put it. Like I think that I never saw the sequel. Did you did you guys see it? Independence Day Resurgence. This is where I, I take the not. heat. I don't really care for the original uh, Independence Day that much, so I didn't bother seeing the sequel. Uh, I, think I, think, a, I think it's a bang average movie. I think you should rewatch it just on like a like a day you want to watch this really stupid action movie. I have. Sense? It's like rewatching a Steven Seagal movie. Oh, I think it's uh, better than that. But yes, uh, what would you, what about White House Down? What do you think? Is that one more rewatchable <laughs> too? Because I like I do like White House Down. Not gonna lie, uh, didn't see it because I kind of gave up on Roland Emmerich ever doing anything we're seeing again. White House Down is so stupid, but it has Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx as the the action stars. That's good. So, so I'm into it. 
it's like it's like yeah that works for me i'm i'm i'm, I'm in yeah, I, i'm on the me. stop roland emmerich train so anything i could do to deflect the, the theater money away from roland emmerich um so that people maybe stop letting him make these movies i'm good with you don't like that he gets like 200 million dollars to just make like uh, the moon crash into the earth apparently yeah, um, I, I, I would. A, I'd rather I'd be divvied slightly differently. Is that a spoiler <laughs> for the next movie, Nathan? Well, it's called. Is Moonfall. it though? It's in the name. What is it called? Moon what? Moonfall. Oh well, it's. Uh, what is it and been the, an asteroid this whole time? And the uh, budget and the budget for the movie was a hundred and forty million dollars. Nathan, you ruined it. Eric thought it was about a pleasant walk in the autumn. I thought maybe yeah. the moon was a giant robot, or you know, maybe it well, was. Well, I'll be are honest. You, are you implying moon, it's not? <laughs> are you implying it's not? Because we find out that our moon is not what we think it is. Yeah. So it's a transformer, like in that one transformer. <laughs> or it's a giant ship. Or, you know, maybe like Kevin said, no, Mar- he is made of cheese. That movie where Mark Wahlberg figured out that... that Dark the, Side of the Moon? Dark Side of the Moon. The, 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 the documentary the where Mark Wahlberg <laughs> figured out. Hey, Kevin, if uh, if Mark Wahlberg is around when those Transformers came by, he wouldn't have just sat there. I think we could confirm based, if we know Definitely anything, not. it's that Mark Wahlberg is the greatest scientist of our generation. He yeah. figured out that the trees were trying to murder us. He figured out that the moon is really a robot. Like, was, you was cannot even... downplay the scientific breakthroughs that Mark Wahlberg is responsible oh, for. Uh, now, here, here's the thing. I have actually never seen anything Transformers, Dark Side of the Moon. I don't think I've seen it. Is Mark Wahlberg even in that one? I don't think he is. I think that's still just Shia LaBeouf and Tyrese. I don't. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. They all bled together. I, I I saw three of them. I'm not sure which three, except I saw the first one, and they were all the same movie. Yeah, I saw the first, second, and then I cannot confirm which one after that. Okay, Mark Wahlberg does not come in until the next movie, Transformers: Age of Extinction, uh, which is the one that has uh the the, the dinosaur transformer in it. Uh, in uh, the last scene, yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Apparently, the new Transformers movie is going to be a Beast Wars movie. Dinobot, dude, they should do a Transformers Fast and the Furious crossover movie. I'd watch that. Anyway, for for <laughs> Kevin, for Eric, we will see you next week. Go Hawks! It's about family. Mm-hmm.